0: It is all connected. You cannot separate your sexual well being from your emotional well being or your mental well being.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to episode 48 of That's So Maven. First off, I want to thank you all for your kind words and thoughts after the news I shared in last week's episode. It's been kind of a challenging time for me and my family, and we're just so grateful for both the in-person and the online support from you guys. And I'll be chatting more about this and what the experience has been like once I've had some time to process it all. But you guys are kind of used to the fact that I need a little bit of time to sort of feel all my feels and then kind of process it all before I'm able to talk more about it. So, you know, stay tuned for that. But let's move on to this week's episode. So one of my goals with that So Maven and The Healthy Maven is to be able to have these conversations that so many of us feel stigmatized around or just feel shameful of talking about and in so many ways there's really no reason for that other than the fact that you know subconsciously we've taken on these notions that these aren't things that we're allowed to talk about publicly and you know talking about them is both important but also reminds us all that we are so not alone in our struggles and that's why you know beyond just talking about nutrition and body image and and the things that you know i'm deeply passionate about i also want to talk about other topics that i feel like we don't bring enough light to so things like mental illness having conversations around cannabis and the use of medical marijuana or just cannabis for our overall health and wellness and today's episode where we're talking about sexuality and relationships and This was requested in the THM tribe and I'm so happy that it was because I want to be talking more about this and just how we can own our sexuality and not feel ashamed of that and I think especially as women it's sort of viewed as unbecoming to explore your own sexuality and to embrace it and that's why we're talking about this today because this is a conversation that we all need to be having. Women, men alike We need to be talking about this. And I'm just so grateful for Susanna Frioni for coming on the show today to talk about her experiences with sexuality and the work that she's doing in that space to help women own their sexuality and not feel ashamed of that. And I love what we talk about. We cover a lot of ground. We talk about, you know, how to approach your partner when you want to explore your own sexuality. And, how to explore your sexuality before meeting a partner, what different types of relationships look like, and I just think it's a really enlightening conversation, and I know that I learned a lot from it, and I hope you guys do as well. And as always, if you're enjoying these conversations, it is so, so important that you leave a review on iTunes. It just helps us find more guests who are in these spaces that are maybe unconventional or different and don't know a whole lot about the Healthy Maven or That's So Maven, they look at those reviews before deciding whether or not they want to be guests on the show. So they really do make a difference. I know it because I've heard from guests that they have read through the comments and have appreciated the feedback that you have left. So if you can do one good thing today, it would be to leave a review on iTunes just so you know, more people can find the show and be able to explore these different conversations that we're having here I know that you know not everybody is talking about this stuff publicly whether it be in their own life on social media or even on their own podcast so it's wonderful for us to be able to bring light to these topics and that's one way that you can do it otherwise please share on social media that you're loving the show I always see them I always respond because I love having these conversations with you last week's episode around the liminal space I know that was a really powerful one for a lot of you and we had a lot of amazing conversations about that. So definitely do share if you can and join the tribe if you haven't already because that's a place where we can continue the conversations and build a really incredible community. I absolutely adore everybody who's in the tribe. I'm oftentimes sharing first information about things there you're the first to discover events that are happening in your area sometimes guests that are coming on the show and just a really good place to connect with like-minded people so if you haven't joined the tribe it's just facebook.com slash groups slash thm tribe so definitely definitely check that out and with that let's jump into the episode here is Susanna hi Susanna welcome to the show
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Of course. I'm so excited to have you on the show today to have a conversation. As I was explaining to you earlier, you know, I feel like as women, we don't talk enough about our sexuality and we're sort of, you know, shamed into feeling like we're not supposed to talk about it. And it's so nice and helpful to have people like you who are kind of opening up that dialogue and allowing women to ask questions and feel safe and empowered in their sexuality. So I'm excited to chat with you about that and about relationships. And I just, I know that this is going to be a really, really eye-opening and heart-opening conversation for myself and for the listeners.
0: Definitely. It always is whenever we start talking about sex and relationships.
1: Totally. So, before we jump in, I would love to sort of hear a bit more about who you are and, and how you got to where you are today.
0: Yeah. Well, look, even though today all my work revolves around love, sex, desire, that is definitely not how I started. Um, you know, I like to think I have this really defining moment in my life. My call it my quarter life crisis, my spiritual sexual awakening. But, you know, when I turned 25, there was a very distinct Change and I call it sort of my, you know, um, post Vipassana or pre Vipassana. And for those who don't know what Vipassana is, it's a meditation technique, it's a 10 day silent meditation retreat. That's how long it takes to learn this particular style. And so I got guided to go there when I was 25, and it was purely because at that point in my life, I was incredibly miserable. And I'd reached the point of being so numb that before, you know, sort of I was grasping at anything and everything that was meant to make life better, particularly when it came to the mental game. Like I was riding to the personal development, reading the great books by the great teachers and mentors out there, trying really hard to reframe these stories or tell a better story but it was almost like the more mind work I did the more disconnected I became from my body there was no denying that something was off I just said my body was miserable that was the truth and it was really hard to own because I didn't know you know why or how definitely I think being a new mum played a huge part in it in hindsight that is. Um, I had my daughter when I was 21. I was married when I was 21. I, I did everything really early in my life. <laughs> um, and back then I was also a group fitness teacher. That was sort of my main career. You know, I did have um, a degree in marketing and leisure management as well. But it was the fitness arena that really just... I mean, I was obsessed. I loved it. Getting paid to work out, I think, was the best job I had ever had back then. Um, But, you know, burnout, the good old burnout and adrenal fatigue hit me pretty hard. And so, like I said, that then led me to meditation retreat. And it was there where finally I got to be with a lot of the questions that were just causing a whole lot of confusion for me around, I mean, I was questioning marriage and monogamy and motherhood. Like, did I even really want to be a mother? I mean, I was a mum, but at 25, they're all really big questions. And I think it was just that point in my life to do, do the big asking. And so after that, I would say my life radically changed, like in a two week period everything was very different. I ended up leaving my work as a group fitness teacher. And at that time, I was also managing a a local gym here. And I just knew it was time to put, you know, a halt, walk away from that. Um, A few days later, same thing with my marriage, it all came to an end. But I will say it was just very graceful endings. My intuition finally was so loud and that other voice, which I like to call my inner critic, it had just been dialed down so low that there was no mistaking what was my intuitive voice. And so, and I, like I say that because I know that's what a lot of people struggle with. Like, what is the voice of my soul or what is the voice of my intuition and trying to discern all of that. So the the other big thing was I fell in love with a woman unexpectedly and That beautiful moment in my life had me ask a bigger question. If I thought this was impossible, what else in my life am I deeming impossible that is actually possible? And I guess you could say that was sort of the start of me forging my own path and having my own business, which is something I always wanted to do. It just felt like a really far away thing. (laughs) Um... From there, I actually took six months off intentionally to, quote-unquote, find myself. I needed to know who I was when I wasn't mum or when I wasn't the wife or when I wasn't the upbeat group fitness teacher that I had been for eight years. And seriously, all I did was followed the path of anything that brought me to life or where I was having fun or having the most joy. And, I mean, this was across – Everything from the types of food that I liked to the types of activities to, I mean, movies, clothing, you name it. It was a radical transformation for me. From there came yoga, which was really weird, I want to say, because as a group fitness teacher who was always – teaching, you know, the high intensity stuff. I looked down on yoga as what is that class everybody's doing over there? <laughs> but I I joined it purely as a personal development thing for me. Cause at that time I swore as well I was never, ever, ever going to teach again. But sure enough, you know, there's just a teacher essence within me. She has to teach. And after a few workshops in my teacher training, I just knew I'm so going to teach yoga. And I spent the next four years teaching yoga, um, running simultaneous to that. I was doing my certification studies with the Deep Coaching Institute based in the U.S. And they specialize in what is called the Enneagram. Have you heard of
1: it before? I have, yeah.
0: Yeah, so... Um, for anyone listening, just briefly, like the enneagram on a very superficial level is a typology personality system, but its roots are all embedded in spirituality—a very, very, very ancient system or a map, which pretty much I like to, you know, explain to my clients. It's the easy way to see: are you actually living from your soul or from deep presence or from your ego? That is it, or attachment from your identity. Um, so. I did that particular training because I noticed that, you know, one particular method of of change or a positive tool just wasn't working for everybody. Like we are really unique creatures and the Enneagram for me was just that particular tool and training that allowed me to understand people um, more intimately through their own uniqueness and i think that that that's also a tool i believe has evoked a lot of compassion in me and just understanding like we are really different um so there there's my training with the the deep coaching life coaching work and what i do now in regards to love sex desire that transition came from well, look, I'll definitely credit. I was working with um, one of my mentors for a couple of years, and it was all about doing the, you know, the soul journey with her. She has a school called the School of the Modern Mystics. Her name is Belinda Davidson. I actually, just recently interviewed her on my own podcast. Um, and part of that training, it's it's all about chakra work, all about energy work. But her her teachings say that in the higher chakras. So in the body, we have the seven chakras, one to seven. But then in the higher chakras, eight to 12, particularly in your eight one, you get to download your sole purpose. So I spent almost two years working with her and... (laughs) It was such a revelation and almost like this reassurance because I had so much sexual energy in my higher chakras that it could no longer, I guess that story of, oh, Susanna, you're just so sexual. Why does the conversation always have to be about sex? I finally just owned it. And um, I guess that you could say that was then the start of my podcast, Love, Sex, Desire, merging my coaching to be more specific around women's Sexuality and and ultimately is you know reigniting their desires and telling the truth of what it is they deeply desire, not just sexually or in their relationships, but their whole life, because it is in connect, um, interconnected. And then um, my sacred dance work, which really came about because I was. Um, teaching yoga at my friend's wellness retreat. And she asked if I would do a yoga rave on the first night as a bit of an opening and icebreaker to which I said, hell no, because I'm not interested in yoga raves and I'd never been to one. So it almost out of integrity to do something like that. But I said, give me 60 minutes and I'll create something awesome. And I just saw that as the opportunity I'd been looking for to merge all these teachings, all these learnings with, you know, taking what I'd learned from my group fitness work and from teaching yoga and from chakras and energy and the Enneagram and my love of dance and creating my own movement system, which um, I now call sacred dance. So that has led me right here.
1: Awesome. Well, I have about a million and one questions for you. So, we will definitely get into a conversation around sacred dance and I I really want to talk to you about that because I'm I'm fascinated mm-hmm. and I just think it would it's just really interesting. But I kind of want to take a step back to, you know, where you were when you were a child. It sounds like, you know, you did a lot of things early and you went on a more conventional path, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, we're sort of ascribed this notion that there, there is a way to live, especially as a female. And I'm wondering, was that something that you grew up with? You know, was that something that you were taught by your parents or was it something that you just thought you, you were more traditional and, you know, then had this spiritual awakening or you know, where did you have sort of thoughts around, you know, being a more sexual being and wanting to take a more unconventional path, but you sort of just push them down?
0: You know, it's interesting because, so to give a bit of context in terms of how I grew up, both of my parents are from South America and they migrated over here to Australia. And then we grew up in a small country town, dead set in the middle of Queensland, like maybe a thousand people tops, a very, very, very small community. And I literally, I was born there and I finished high school there. So I didn't really, you know, know all that. That was, that was my life. Very, very simple, very, um, a lot of freedom as well. And, you know, that path looked, I mean, I even remember when I I went to uni. I moved to the big city, Brisbane, here for university. And it was there where I met um, a woman who's now my dear friend. And, you know, she was a lesbian at the time. And I remember that being such a, oh, I only ever knew of one other lesbian growing up in my community. And it was like a big deal when she came out. So it wasn't that it was ever at least shunned in my family home, it just wasn't around in my face or um, just really visible. It just wasn't visible. And so when I moved to Brisbane, I guess you could say there was a lot more freedom. And back then, whilst it seemed almost normal to maybe have uh, sexual connections with women or even sexual encounters with women, the idea of having a relationship just felt really foreign, like almost like a closed door, can't even imagine it. And I think particularly as a mum as well, yeah, it just seemed very not going to happen for me and it definitely wasn't drummed into me. I just think there was no exposure or no visibility around these particular lifestyles.
1: So do you think, you know, in terms of getting married at a young age and sort of – and then becoming a mother at a young age, was that a path that you thought you wanted at the time or did you no. sort of – No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that was sort of where my my question was like, did you have this voice inside of you that was like, this is not what you should be doing, but you just kind of ignored it and went along anyway?
0: Look, I think there was definitely – you know, an underlying motive to prove to my parents that I was really responsible. That's for sure. I definitely had, um, they were so concerned that I was the wild one. And, you know, I can see there's a particular de- defining moment before I got married where I also saw I had two choices. And, you know, I just think even now when I work with people, freedom really is about infinite choice, knowing that anything is possible. But when we're so identified with our ego and we're running real, all that inner critic voice has the power seat in dictating how we live our lives, we ultimately feel like we only ever have two choices. The choices that we live are very, very limited. And in that case, in terms of the path of relationships, I just saw two distinct paths. I didn't even see a third that I could just be on my own a little bit longer and explore my twenties. Nope. Two paths. And I pretty much chose one. And I would say the underlying motive was, I was just in such a hurry to prove to my parents that, look, I'm a grown up and I'm responsible and I've got my life together. So stop telling me what you think is best for me. Cause I'm here making my choices.
1: I mean, that totally resonates with me. And I think a lot of people in their early twenties, you know, feel some sort of sense of being lost, but also having something to prove in a way that they aren't lost when really, you know, there are so many unanswered questions and for a very long time you sort of have to live with not knowing those answers. And it's it's a gray mm-hmm. zone and it's really hard to sort of navigate through that gray zone. And it's kind of uncomfortable. So you sort of make these big life decisions without, you know, necessarily knowing all of your options or being comfortable with being like, "I need to wait a little bit longer, and it sounds like that's sort of something that you went through, but then you know you you end up going down this path and and you get married and you have a child, and then you say, "You know the, this isn't really working for me, and you end up doing vipassana um I would love to hear sort of a bit more about what that experience was like for you, and you know for any of the listeners who are not familiar with Vipassana. Um, you know, just sharing a bit more about what that looks like.
0: Yeah. So look, I, there's a few things I want to say because I did not go there (laughs) with the intention to learn how to meditate. Like I went there with the intention to simply escape my life, which felt very chaotic, very messy, very complicated. And it was the one place where I thought, right, no one's going to bother me because you're not allowed to talk. (laughs) And there's no temptation here of me being um, like having these attractions for other people and wanting to act in them and therefore like making these thoughts because I was questioning that whole marriage and monogamy and, you know, how is it that I can love someone here, but yet I'm feeling attractions for other people here. It was all so confusing. So for me, it was an escape to gain clarity. And I remember sitting down in that very first meditation when they obviously hit play on the recorder and this chanting starts and my eyes, you know, shoot wide open and it's like almost being woken up out of this hazy sleep. And suddenly I look around the room, there's, you know, probably... It's maybe like 60 or 70 men on one side and then 60 or 70 women on the other side all sitting there quietly in this, you know, a lotus position. And I just think, where the hell am I? What am I doing? This is crazy town. Like, oh, my God, get out of here. (laughs) What is this place? And literally seeing a part of me leave the room, go get my bags make my way down to the car and having that moment of the moment I get home, like nothing's changed. Everything's going to be exactly the same. And then it was just seeing myself walk back, almost enter back into my body, close my eyes. And I just went, give it to me. Like I am so ready for something new. And I would call that like a real moment of surrender. I just stopped fighting myself and became really, really open. And um, look, those next ten days were were pretty powerful. Learning this technique, um, I really walked away with that sense of ah, oh, like I am not this body. I am something bigger, and I'm just like a bunch of cells vibrating at a particular frequency and in fact there is no difference between me and the ground I'm sitting on or the person in front of me like in terms of oneness um I'd I'd studied a lot of Eckhart Tolle's work beforehand but finally I was having like the real visceral experience the direct experience of it and that was life-changing profound um Plus the other thing, I mean, I met the woman and she was my roommate in Vipassana. So I definitely had a unique experience. I broke a lot of the rules. I'm a rule breaker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, we couldn't stop laughing, which is really hard. It's a silent retreat. And, um, but I will say it wasn't just the meditation that brought me back to life. There was definitely something, I think laughter is incredibly healing and, um, yeah, that played a huge role, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like n- not only did you, you know, learn to to sit quietly with yourself and have such like profound realizations about your body and its connection with with the earth, but also, you know, our connections as humans and to fall in love with your roommate at a 10 day silent retreat is is a pretty unique and profound experience and obviously has played a role in sort of the path that you've taken since then and I'm wondering you know female sexuality whether it be you know female to female or female to male was that something that you know you thought about before you went to Vipassana and sort of had this awakening or was it like it just hit you like a ton of bricks like oh you know we're all sexual beings and you know it, it's okay to explore that
0: I would say no it's pretty early on like even my god I was making out with a friend in I could have been super young like even before um grade one I've I've always been very connected to myself sexually and it's been this natural exploration never made it mean anything um and you know I was the, the type of person that kind of always had a boyfriend in seriously even from primary school all the way through high school I was always very attuned to that sexual energy and the attraction. It was pretty much though in my university years that I had some encounters with women. It was just like an intense curiosity um, and then really enjoyed it. And I even remember my, I was going to say my husband back then, but we weren't married. My partner then, you know, he actually said to me, do you need time to go and explore your sexuality? And I thought he was asking the most ridiculous question ever. Like I was so certain that hell no, just because I'm, you know, kissing this girl on the dance floor doesn't mean anything. Like I had really just closed that door. Again, wasn't a possibility. But, of course, you know, during my marriage um, the big thing for me was how is it that, like, I'm so in love with this man and yet I have attractions for other people? What on earth am I meant to be doing with that? And the more I seemed to deny it, the more amplified it got. And it wasn't just with, with men. It was also with women. And, look, we had spoken about having an open marriage. It was on the table. Um, but that door Close, Mostly, you know, he simply couldn't do it. And I agreed because at that point I wasn't willing to walk away from my marriage and we had a family. And yet I can say, I can pinpoint that moment as that was the day something died in me. Like I agreed to something I knew meant nothing something more to me. Like I actually didn't fight for it purely because that realm was so unknown. I didn't know anybody who was living that particular life. Um, and look, it just felt so messy and complicated. And, um, but sure enough, you know, that's what eventually led to being incredibly miserable. It was like living a double life. And, part of, I guess I reached a point where I was like, stuff this, like I'm actually a happier person when these particular needs of mine are getting met. I'm a better wife. I'm a better mom. I'm a better everything. I'm even better in my work. Um, and so I would just allow myself to then explore those attractions. And, um, of course, when you're, when it's not done in honesty and openness, that's when it causes harm both to yourself and definitely to other people.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's a common, you know, dialogue, but also, you know, situation that happens with many women where we don't necessarily feel like we have permission to ask for the things that we may need or want sexually. You know, it's sort Mm -hmm. of a, a society, you know, an unwritten rule in society that like as women, we're not supposed to talk about our sexuality or have desires or needs that we need met. And, you know, I'm wondering how... How can, as women, how can we sort of open up that dialogue and and ask for the things that we want and maybe not necessarily avoid, but, you know, not find ourselves agreeing to situations that we know in our heart is not the right situation for us? Well,
0: look, relationships these days are so based on assumptions, right? Versus agreements. And there's a big distinction there. And because simply because, like we do move into relationships so unconsciously. But I think it's a really great thing when you start asking the questions. Like it's really about becoming super curious with, actually, is that what I want? Is that not what I want? We have to give ourselves time and permission just to simply explore and ask the questions and discover where it is you stand at any moment, knowing that, it's going to change as well. So we have to be fluid. I think the moment we become rigid in anything, be it our preferences, our desires, our wants is when we start to feel very, I want to say icky or stuck. It's just this, you know, practice of checking in, which is why I think doing the work to be deeply connected with your body is where it all begins because your truth lives in your body. Connecting with your body allows you to access your truth and then it simply becomes a matter of being able to find your voice and have the courage to then speak that and converse that with another person. It's challenging when you're already in a relationship with someone and all you're focused on is what you could potentially lose versus what could you potentially gain.
1: Completely. And, you know, it totally brings me to the next conversation that I want to have. But, you know, I also sort of want to take a step back. So let's say, you know, you're a female who is, you know, coming into their own sexuality or realizing that they want to sort of explore what sexuality means to them. And maybe you're single, you know, what are some ways that you can explore it, you know, I don't really know how to ask this question, to be honest, but, um, you know, just as as a single female, what are some ways in which you might be able to explore your sexuality in and taking into account sort of the world that we live in, which comes with so much judgment, you know? It's sort of mm-hmm. like to be a female who wants to explore herself sexually, you know, it comes with a whole slew of terms that I'm not going to name um, that are, you know, you're unfairly given these labels that aren't really you know what you're actually doing so what would you say to someone who wants to explore themselves sexually but they don't really know how to do it in a way that isn't going to bring on so much judgment from other people
0: well look this is the thing around um you get to have a private life this isn't anything you have to share with other people um and that's not to say that you're afraid of of the shame with it but you know Whilst there's some of us that seem to share quite openly, I also want to encourage women, you're entitled to have a private life and that's totally okay, Um, you know, because these are private matters. I actually think it's really healthy and beautiful. Um, I also say, you know, if that judgment is something that is holding you back, maybe it's actually somewhere within yourself where you Uh, like that's what you think of yourself or maybe you need to rework some of those beliefs that you have within you because here's something that I noticed even when I was in a relationship with a woman I not that I was surprised but I did not experience any like I wasn't on the receiving end of any um like any hate any judgment like nothing and The only thing I can attribute that to was like, I must have been so clear within myself. Therefore, it just wasn't being mirrored back to me. So, if that is happening in your world, if your outer reality, because your outer reality is simply reflecting your inner reality, you might just have some of your own, you know, stuff to transmute there for you. But in regards to like some real practical things, how do you go about it? Look, I always say there's pretty much. You know, two levels. There's the sexual exploration you do with yourself in your own body through, you know, self pleasure or the masturbation, um, learning about your own physical anatomy with your body, learning um, about sex on all the levels, particularly energetically, and you don't need necessarily anybody else to do that with Um, you can also see you know practitioners that actually I have um, a favorite one she does Yoni mapping she's a Yoni mapping therapist and is actually training other Yoni mapping therapists now Um, in Yoni massage it's being at home and more deeply connected with your body is the best way to explore your sexuality and your own pleasure then comes the interacting with someone else. And I think when you can take the approach that everything is just a matter of learning, every experience is an opportunity for you to self-reflect and go, what did I like about that? What didn't I like about that? Where did I come alive? Where didn't I come alive? You're less inclined to be really judgmental with yourself because you understand this is purely learning. The only way you get to understand what it is that your body loves and brings you to life is through taking action. Some people may need to, you know, go down that path for a long time or, you know, explore a wider scope, whereas others don't. And honestly, it doesn't really matter. It is simply having the permission and the courage to follow your curiosity. Like if you are curious about something, that's your invitation to lean in deeper. And provided you have strong boundaries, physical and psychological boundaries, and by that I just simply mean in its most basic form, like you have a very clear yes and a very clear no, there's like a freedom in how you explore that with other people.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, that same set of boundaries can be really helpful, you know, when exploring if you have a partner. So I would love if we could kind of chat about that situation where maybe, you know, you're having a sexual awakening or you're wanting to explore more of your own sexuality, but you have a partner, whether it be, you know, a long-term relationship or a spouse or whatever that looks like. How do you go about exploring sexually when you have a partner?
0: Mm. I have noticed that this actually seems to be more challenging, simply because when one person is having a sexual awakening, the other person necessarily isn't. Um, And that sexual awakening naturally is going to shift the dynamics or the the current structure or the agreements that are even in place. So it can be a bit of a revolution for the relationship, which again I think is a beautiful thing provided you are both respectful of one another, are able to have these open and honest conversations, which is what everyone is um, – that was a bit general there. But what most people struggle with purely because they haven't in the past um, – and I guess stepping into new terrain like that, particularly with your desires, it can be incredibly vulnerable. And you're asking for, for people to step into a new terrain with you. And the sexual arena is so fast. It's like, where are you asking me to go play, pretty much? But um, so I just want to say that it's normal if it's like the real challenging place for you. Be super flexible be super open and honest. And I almost want to give you permission that your partner doesn't necessarily need to come on the ride with you, maybe in the way that you think. So you might actually find yourself going to particular workshops on your own. And I go, that's really great because then you get to bring that energy back and share that together and it's almost like lead someone through some new experiences because I find that the riff that happens with couples is that um you know one of them is expecting the other to I'm doing quote-unquote you know join me in this next path and I think we just have to honor that it's going to maybe look different for both of us not to say that we're not both expanding you know sexually but don't get hung up on what you think it's meant to look like For somebody else. Instead, keep the focus on you, go on your journey, have agreements and boundaries in terms of, you know, what is allowed, what isn't allowed. I think the workshop space is beautiful because it's a very safe container and it is set up for learning. It is set up for safe practice. Um, versus, like, we're not talking about simply going out to, you know, a club or out into the wild, so to speak, and having these random experiences. Like, no, you're actually there for the purpose of learning and growing. And maybe you end up in the tantra in the realm, or maybe you end up in the BDSM world, or you know, maybe you end end up in the the sensual world. And in fact, I would encourage everybody whether you are single or partnered to check out the work of Jaya and it's the erotic blueprints um i also have a link on my website just to make it super easy there's a free quiz that literally tells you how you're wired when it comes to your sexuality um and eroticism which i think is so profound and helpful as it gives couples this framework and a really simple language to help understand each other better in terms of, oh, this is how we're wired. This is why we might be having so many differences. And here's how we can better meet one another when it comes to our sexual needs.
1: Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's definitely something that I think will be really helpful to people. So I'll definitely include that in the show notes, you know, from a perspective of health, And because the show is sort of all about health, I would love if you could talk a little bit about like why it's actually healthy as women to have, you know, uh, to to be sexual and to have a relationship with our own body and also, you know, potentially with a partner.
0: So if we look at our sexuality as being connected directly to our life force, then we also have to say that our sexuality is connected directly to our vitality and to me another word for health is vitality. Like even when I'm doing my own health stuff, I just go, what's what's the quality of my vitality at the moment? And so if you are shutting down any part of your sexuality, you are therefore shutting down your vitality. The other thing I also say, our sexuality and our truth are interconnected. If you're shutting down your truth, you're shutting down your sexuality, you're shutting down your vitality. It is all connected. You cannot separate your sexual well-being from your emotional well-being or your mental well-being. Um, The other thing, there's – what is the stat? It's like I think our orgasmic essence or quality – is directly correlated to like your immune system. I think it might be like 90%. I might have to try and find that for you. But again, I just keep going back to your vitality is your health and your sexuality is a direct connection to that. Plus, if you want to also speak creativity-wise because a sexual energy is home in our second chakra, our sexuality and so is our creative creativity. I just go there's just no separation. There's almost like no conversation for it.
1: Totally. I mean, I think it's also, you know, sort of what you're tapping into is the idea that like you can't really be healthy and live a, a health-filled life if you're not living your truth. You know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're not able to sort of explore every ounce of who you are or if you choose to sort of shut down a piece of who you are it's not as though the rest of you can just function perfectly we're we're interconnected in our you know sexual health our physical health our emotional health like the the dots all connect and if you take one of those and you you shut it out it doesn't you know flow properly so I I totally agree with you from that context and I don't know too much about sort of the connection between health and and our immune system, but I do know, you know, orgasms lead to a release of serotonin which is great for your mental health so you know whether it's affecting your immune system or what that looks like there's definitely correlations between your sexual health and your emotional mental health so that's definitely a check mark a plus one gold star for really exploring your sexuality and feeling entitled to that as part of you know taking care of yourself and Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that uh, we're not really taught growing up. You know, we're not really taught that we're a allowed to explore our sexuality, but also that like it's you know good for us to explore our sexuality. I think it, it comes with a lot of you know asterisks, is just sort of when you get it tied to religion and people's thoughts and feelings on that. Um, but I know you know as someone who went through sex ed in middle school, we definitely did not explore sexuality in any way. It was sort of how to have safe sex. So I was having a a conversation with a friend, and I actually mentioned that I was speaking with you, and she brought up a really interesting question to ask you, which was, what do you wish was being taught to, you know, young women going through sex education? What do you you wish, you know, these girls could understand about sexuality?
0: For starters, I wish it started... A lot earlier, the education, um, particularly, I guess, in you know, Western worlds, because I think over in Europe it's completely different. Um, and to start with the basics, honestly, it is so much more about how connected are you with your body, honoring your own boundaries, being clear in your yes and your no, honoring your own space, respecting somebody else's space. Um Trusting your own intuition, being emotionally intelligent, understanding what are these sensations in your body? Can you name that so you understand exactly how you're feeling and then being able to communicate that? These things like this is what I've started teaching my daughter ever since she was very young. And I think that is the foundational work that needs to happen before we even start having conversations about quote-unquote safe sex and then STDs and sex being about reproduction and actually saying more that sex is so much also about pleasure, not just about reproduction. But that's where I'd be starting, right, back at the very basics, which in so many ways has nothing to do with sex. Like that word sex is so loaded for so many of us, Um you have to understand, like, it's, I mean, it's how we came to be. It is so natural. Our bodies know what to do, provided we can just get out of our own way. It's all the judgments and the stories that are then laid in with how we view sex and what we make sex mean. If we could be deconditioned from that and just come back to its essence, um, God, we'd just be having so much more beautiful experiences all around.
1: I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, this This sort of makes us outliers in society. But I think, you know, what you're saying about it being sort of the most, like, primal, natural experience that, I mean, for it to be sort of sexualized, which is, it's weird because you know, I think you understand what I'm saying, where, like, sexualized has, has made it into sort of the the erotic aspects of it which is fine perfectly fine but sort of when you take a step back it's just like it's human behavior like it's just you know what we were born to be physically capable of doing and I really liked what you said about sort of starting from teaching both men and women you know what it means to be connected to your body personally and how to you know connect respectfully with with other people's bodies I don't think any of us are taught that in school I mean it's just not a conversation that you have and it really you know you depend on your families and and if your family is comfortable with having those kinds of conversations so hopefully you know we can we can start more of these conversations here and you know encourage more people to talk to their 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 children about this stuff. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and this is why I go, I mean, don't be waiting for the sex education to change. Don't be waiting for any institutions to do the work for you as, you know, empowered women, particularly, you know, if you are a mum, you you going on the journey yourself, you become like this leaving, breathing embodiment of of healthy sexuality for you. And in that, you're daughters or your sons learn so much just from being in your presence you don't have to feel like you have to teach your kids just be the living breathing embodiment of healthy sexuality you know for you because that speaks volumes
1: and you know before we jump into the hot seat questions i do want to talk about Mm -hmm. sacred dance parties because this was definitely the piece where i was most you know Interested in sort of exploring what that means and why you decided to sort of jump into this space and basically let's let's start from the beginning. Like, what is a, a sacred dance party? <laughs>
0: it's virtually unexplainable. Everyone tells me, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but essentially,
0: look, sacred dance. At the moment, the way I create it and host it is, it's an annually themed event. That's pretty much this unique opportunity for women to come together to unleash their body and soul on the dance floor with, if there was a particular intention or purpose or goal, it would be so they can remember, so this is so they have the direct experience of how to access and express their most powerful, radiant, liberated selves. Women who come, and ha- or come to those dance parties, like the most thing I hear from women is like, oh my God, I feel so liberated or that's the most liberated I have felt in 10 years. You get to shed the shackles, your conditioning, your self-consciousness, you name it, your doubts, your fears and leave it all on the dance floor to allow this new essence, although I wouldn't say it's a new essence. I'm like, it's your ancient essence that's just been in hiding (laughs) Um, and you just get to let her come out and play I curate the playlist, so it is a very particular journey that I work, like I'm moving the women through seven distinct phases. I call them awaken, play, purge, surrender, remember, rise, and anchor. It's, I guess, you know, if you need a fusion of something, I go, it's like feminine embodiment meets ecstatic dance and meditation all rolled into one. That's what I would say sacred dances
1: Wow I mean if you come through San Francisco definitely let me know because that sounds like I a- am. <laughs> are you wait so when you're in San Francisco are you leading one?
0: Yes yeah, so yes yes I am doing an event there so we're yet to finalize the dates but it's the end of March early April that I'll be um, heading over to the US to do a few events there in San Francisco is hot on the list.
1: Awesome. Okay, so I will I will definitely follow up with you once you have dates and let yeah. you guys know if you live in San Francisco or wherever it is that you live if this Sacred Dance party is coming through because I feel like that's something that you know, I've always loved to dance, but I feel like dancing I, I when I can feel really uninhibited it's amazing it's really powerful but it can be really challenging to feel that sense of inhibition you know it's almost like you want the lights off and you want no mirrors and you just sort of want to like just dance your heart out and i think you know we've all had that experience of sort of being alone in our bedroom and just dancing and, and singing at the top of our lungs and it feels so freeing and so amazing i also think it you know it allows you to get in touch with with that same voice that you talked about you know your intuition your that inner mm. voice that is telling you really what direction you're supposed to be going in and what decisions you're supposed to be making and when you allow yourself to be free and uninhibited it just gets you a little bit closer to being able to listen to that voice and you know with so much noise happening in our world it's really hard to slow down and listen <laughs> and so any you know whether it be through dance or some other group activity that allows you to to tap into that voice it just, like you said, it ripples into all other areas of your life because you you then start living more authentically, you know, in, in every piece of your life, not just in that moment.
0: Absolutely.
1: So let's jump into the hot seat questions because I only have a couple more minutes with you and, and I want to get to them. So all right. these are the questions that I ask to every guest who comes on the show. And it's fun to be able to kind of compare their answers. So the first question is, what's the one health habit you can't live without?
0: prioritizing pleasure.
1: I love that. That That is an <laughs> awesome answer. I completely agree. I actually just shared on Instagram the other day, just, you know, when was the last time you had fun? Like just mm-hmm. allow, like not like worrying about your to-do list, but prioritize just having fun. And so many people were like, I haven't had fun in so long. And I was like, mm. oh, that should be the first thing on your list.
0: Totally. Mm-hmm.
1: So my next question is is there a business or a business person who you admire or look up to
0: There's no one particular person I I notice I'm most drawn to those that one seemed really aligned with what they do with what they do and they seem to be in like it's an integrity thing I notice is what I'm really drawn to I'm not necessarily into you know, the biggest, the baddest, the best, um, because I, yeah, I need to be moved by someone, anyone who moves me deeply, anyone that seems quite innovative and in, within integrity and just really authentic and aligned with their own soul, soul calling is what I'm drawn to the most. That's for sure.
1: Yes, I, I completely agree. I mean, to me, there is nothing more, inspiring than integrity and and living an authentic life. That is very true to who you are. So I Mm. I completely agree. So my next question is what advice would you have for your 20 year old self?
0: I would have said to her, um, you don't need to have this all figured out, go play, go explore. Yep. And um, you've got nothing to prove oh and I would have reminded her there are infinite possibilities available to you here
1: absolutely mm. and my last question is what advice do you hope to get from your older self like what what do you hope you will have learned by by 50 or older
0: oh I feel really connected to my older self <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I awesome. actually do
1: quite I actually do quite a bit of meditations
0: with her um uh she she's all about pleasure like really she reminds me every single day just you know i get to have what i want what do i want like i the buffets here go for it um and yeah she's all about fun so i she oh gosh I'm almost overwhelmed with all her her juice, but it's, you know, just keep following your heart and that's how you live a good life, always. No regrets there, ever. You know, she's, you know, I always see her asking this one question, you know, um, did you love well? Like that's sort of my compass as well for life. Did I love well? And, yeah, I can just see her saying, you loved very well. So,
1: (laughs) That is so beautiful. And I mean, I I think you're you're really embodying that now. So I can only imagine that your older self is literally going to be radiating love to the world if you aren't already. So thank you so much for sharing that love with all of us and for giving women permission to explore their sexuality. Like you said, sometimes all we need is just someone to tell us that it's okay. So thank you. Thank you. And Mm -hmm. if people want to find out more about you, where can they do that?
0: The best place to go is Susannafrioni.com and that is F-R-I-O-N-I. And you can find me pretty much anywhere online. I do love hanging out on Instagram as well. And again, that's Susanna Frioni.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and for having these dialogues that we're not having enough of in the world. So I really appreciate all of your work and especially appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today.
0: Mm, Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Huge thank you to Susanna for coming on the show today. I can't even tell you guys how many quotable moments I had from this episode. I feel like I was writing down a new quote every two minutes because it was just such an enlightening conversation and yeah we just we covered a lot of ground and I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did and if you did make sure you leave a review on iTunes as I mentioned in the intro they really do make a big difference and hopefully we can get more people listening to the show so that we can have these kinds of conversations that are taboo and stigmatized for absolutely no reason so I really really hope that we're uh, able to spread the that's so maven love and with that i have a very special guest coming up on the show next week but i'm not going to say who they are but it is someone who is very important in my life and i think a lot of you will be familiar with him so i will uh i'll leave you guessing and until then i hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful week and i will talk to you next week have a good one